the other thing I did yesterday was um, get a tattoo oh. with my brothers. Oh. Well, two of them. Oh, yeah. Oh, so you've got the, the group tattoo. Yes. Indeed, yes. In different locations. Right. So I got mine on my calf. And in a different tattoo shop. Chris got his on his thigh. And uh, Kenneth got his on the back of his neck. Back of the neck. Which, to be fair, looked amazing. But then I saw it and thought, if I get that, I would never get any televised work ever again. I guess you'd have to have a different hairstyle for the rest of your life. Or just wear, like, really big, popped-off <laughs> Turtle collars. Tur- turtlenecks forever. Or turtle. Yeah, I could just be like the turtleneck guy. <laughs> Maybe that's what Steve Jobs was hiding. <laughs> he just had really terrible <laughs> just, neck tattoos. Well, don't call the neck tattoo terrible. Well, no, the neck tattoos are great if they're done well. Yeah, Steve Jobs would have had terrible ones. Yeah. If it's the kind of tattoo where at least two people I know who have been tattooed at house parties when they were children, oh. that's the kind of thing that perhaps you might want to hide. That's the... Yeah, there we go. Then you get the turtleneck. <laughs> yes, but no, this was um, you know, a much more mature uh, Linkin Park tattoo. You know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, but very mature. But it, it's the fact that for me, you know, if this album had come out like last year. Okay, maybe it would be a bit a bit too soon to be jumping on said bandwagon. But uh, the album Hybrid Theory, if you know the artwork, it's a, yeah. a soldier with a flag and some wings, yeah. has been out for over 20 years at this point, which is yeah. disgusting how old I feel. I think you can declare yourself a fan of that album at this point. Yeah. Uh, and it is for us the, you know, the album, which gave us all the music taste we still have. Yeah. So that uh, is very much the thing that we all got. D- well, say all got. Three of us got. Mike decided uh, no. He's remaining pure. <laughs> yes. Untarnished. Leaving his skin unblemished. Yes. And he's, he, look, he is welcome to join us. That tattoo will still, the artwork will still be on the internet for the rest of time. Yeah, yeah. And that tattoo shop will still be there. And, it, and you any, can get it. Anytime. It's a free world. Exactly. Just get it on your, on your foot, Mike. No one will see it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, the bottom of your foot. There's no pain there. <laughs> you won't feel a thing. Although, tell you what, if you ever get a calf tattoo, my goodness, that sucks. Really, really stings. It was horrible. I was so glad I had a face mask on. What, I would, I think... I'd be more. I'd be most scared of like the back of the knee. Ah, I think that's the one. I if I if I think about that, I'm cringing. When I am currently cringing, just because I'm talking about it. So let's move on. <laughs> so I, I am uh, currently. My leg is currently wrapped in cling film. Oh yeah. Did you get the the skin thing? The second skin. S- second. Not skin. this time. No, because it was. It's quite a a smaller tattoo compared to okay. like a full arm thing. I was wondering if you had both somehow. Although it's now it's now making me think. You know, being back in the the studio yesterday, I was thinking. You know what? I want to get more. Let's let's get a seesaw yeah. tattooed. We could get a seesaw tattoo. Oh, let's no. do it. Oh no! Why no, not? No, that's that's too that's much. That's a great idea. Well, because then we're we're tying ourselves to the to the, it's too we, we're taking it too seriously at that yeah, what? point. Right? It's been six years. A half man. of the reason that this is as successful as it is is because <laughs> we we could stop at any time, Colin. Right. Okay. We could just give up. We could. Right? And nobody would care. But if we had tattoos, we're done. This is life, that is a life commitment then. What's that tattoo for? My podcast that I stopped 12 years ago, actually. <laughs> yeah, but we was I was saying this actually yesterday to, to Chris. We were talking about the podcast because he, he still listens a lot. Hey. And, I said, and he has been um, someone who's been going through the episodes. He started at zero. Wow. And got through them until Pain. we privatized the first hundred. Pain. And he was, I know. And like he a was, tattoo. And he was saying. On the back of your knee. Stop. He was saying that in the <laughs> early days of Seesaw Parade, it was very much like, lol, 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 life is great, life is fun, we're both two normally well-adjusted straight people. 
And now, fast forward several years later. Look how normal and boring we are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, look how great we are at laughing at, at fat people and doing really awful <laughs> accents of people we shouldn't be doing <laughs> accents of. And here we are, uh-huh. years later, yeah. talking about, you know, just like openly crying. Well done. And well done. being a big gay. <laughs> Sorry, a big gay. Not, not like a bit gay. A big gay. <laughs> I have eaten a lot of burgers the last few days, I'll tell you that. Okay, so like a bit big as well. So I'm becoming a big gay. But even like, even this morning, uh, went out to get some coffee and uh, Graham handed me mine. Right. I took a wee sip and I burned my tongue and I went, oh, she hot. (laughs) You know, kind of, you know, gay slang, calling everything a she. Oh, she hot. (laughs) And uh, Graham said, you said that really loud. I'm pretty sure the guy behind you just thinks you're being a a total creep to the waitress. (laughs) So I've got to watch myself here. Sorry, I realise this is becoming Colin Stone's story hour, but... It's fine. Yesterday, yeah. driving through the McDonald's, uh-huh. as, you know, going to the drive through because, you know, the three yeah. of us had had a, a tough day right, right, being right. poked with needles, uh-huh. and so we went to the drive through and uh, it was loud, lots of traffic, and so yes. I'm just being me uh-huh. and me doing the order and the yeah. way I usually do it, so, so I'm rolled out the window and I'm like, uh-huh. hey, yeah, can, can I have a, a, a medium cheeseburger meal, uh, please? And keen voice, a keen three voice. chicken selects meal, please. Uh-huh. And of course, rolled down the window and we rolled the window back up and Kenneth's like, oh, oh Colin, you're so, you're just so loud, so you're, oh, you're just, uh, <laughs> and so it, I decided instead to just ramp that up further. And so when the girl offered offered me the drinks and the McFlurries and all that stuff, it was a, oh, thank you, thanks, that's so lovely. Well done. Have a great day. Well done. Much to the uh, <laughs> embarrassment of, of the other two. So a bit gay. Just a bit. That's where we're going. Congrats, though. Like, a bit yeah. is better than a none, let's be honest. And <laughs> it is much, much better. So I feel we are in, the seesaw has transformed from like a colourful, bright, <laughs> always shining, always gleaming, no defects seesaw. Yeah, well, okay, yeah, yeah. To, to one which is like a bit rickety, it's got lots of like scuffs and scratches, right. but people enjoy playing with it. Sure, sure. People enjoy playing with us. <laughs> That's how I want to be remembered. <laughs> okay, right. Well, welcome to Seesaw Parade, the show you love to play with. Yep. Hi, <laughs> Colin. A bit gay. Yep. And he's James. Uh-huh. He's only a bit gay at, at, at like certain, certain times. It's like a werewolf kind of situation. <laughs> Is it Tuesday? Great. It's gay night. <laughs> You're listening to Scotland's least gay, newest, no. longest running podcast. Longest I running. Thinking, I was thinking about season that. Season one. Sorry to interrupt Colin Stone's story time. I was thinking about that the other day. Everything's cringe these days, right? Cringe is a great word. Everything's cringe. All the bad it things is. are cringe. People complain about overusing the word cringe. They do. But 10 years ago, everything was gay. Yes, it was. I think cringe is a very big improvement from that. Just throwing that out, throwing that out there at culture. You're doing well. It was the fact, though, that free church kids at, at these like summer camps just described everything as gay. Oh, that's so gay. It was. It was just a normal term. It was all, in all circles, and now it's cringe. And cringe is such an improvement. Okay. And everyone's complaining, like, why are we just overusing the word cringe? I'm like, no, it's way better than what we used to. What we used to overuse. Yes, it is. Okay, well, welcome to Seesaw Parade. So we're the least cringe podcast. <laughs> New favorite in, podcast in my flat. 
Absolutely. <laughs> Longest running season one of any Scottish entertainment slash news slash politics slash... Colin Confessional time. Slash confessional yeah. slash group therapy podcast. Yeah. You've ever heard. Where we don't get paid. <laughs> we don't get paid and we give any money we have made to SoundCloud to host this podcast for hey, us. a failing business. And we are indeed less popular than SoundCloud. We are, we are. And less of a failing business, but you know. Oh, so true. And if you want to get in touch with the show, you can at Seesaw Parade on Twitter, as some of you have done, and also seesawparade at gmail.com. And you can also speak to us, message us, as uh, some of you have done as well, uh, mainly to say, oh. oh, thanks for saying you cried. Which was very strange, but I, hey. I then appreciated the fact that people were like, hey, that was, that was, that was brave. Well, no, it's an important thing, yeah. No, it, people don't talk about crying enough in a human sense. No. No. No, they don't. You, you usually see people and they're either making a little joke of it or they're kind of being a bit self and they're doing a wee bit of self-deprecation. Yeah, yeah. Or um, they're doing it as like a sympathy thing. But it's just like the real stories we still do lack for. So, yes, I agree. I think I, I go for maybe like a, a quarterly cry. That's that's thinking back. That's oh kind of the God. way there's it goes. Self, there, there's exactly the joke that we were just saying wasn't the right one. <laughs> Make it every night. I was testing you and you passed. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> So thank you, everybody who got in touch. Really do appreciate it. We do have a listener review to get to, and we will tell you later on how you can send in yours of something you've watched, a TV show you finished, a movie you've gone and seen, as I have. All right. Because I saw the Batman, right. James. I saw it. Oh, you did? I saw him. You seen it? I did. Wow. I will tell all. Well, we are in the right city to see it. We are. And you know what was funny? Was uh, Here's here's your, your snippet. Your preview. Here's your teaser. Right. When Glasgow appeared on the screen, yeah, me and Graham were sitting sitting in the back row. Uh-huh. Everybody to a person, you can you know, Glasgow flashes up. Everybody to a person turned to the right or left to all say, "That's Glasgow. Hey, you see it? I recognise this place. That's the Necropolis. I was there. I was there last week." Wow, you went you went places with your character acting there. I'm proud of you. That was Janet. She was in the Necropolis last week. I was only, yeah, you know, the, the kind of thing where I did the same thing. Because sorry, I'm getting way ahead of myself. But in the final scene, right. the final scene of the Batman right. is Glasgow. Right. And they are the Batman is on his motorbike yeah. and he is zooming down the roads past the necropolis. And right. if you know yeah. Glasgow, you know that street. Yeah. I have walked down that street, street more times than probably any street in Glasgow because I used to live at the top of that that road. Yeah. And and I'm like said exactly the same thing to Graham as the mo- like <laughs> as the movie's happening. My feet have been there. It's like should you mind shutting up? The f- the film is still happening. But then it ended. It's literally the last scene. I mean, you made it for all you know, a little bit of like residue from one of your sh- trainers was in a Batman film. Congrats! <laughs> there will be uh, there will absolutely be traces of me yeah. in that film. Exactly, guarantee it. Proud a of footprint. You. Yeah, they should have put in the credits. Some other sort of residue on that street. Definitely. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's move on. Hair the follicles. Sh- the joke was hair follicles. Hair. Clearly, it was Aha. or. Saliva mm-hmm. from when I've been running. Wait, and I had and I like swallowed a fly, and I had to go like. Ugh. <laughs> it's there. <laughs> it's difficult to segue or, from that into no, no, <laughs> no, or blood. 
Oh. Because I was fighting crime. Werewolf stuff. And on that note. Yeah. It, precisely. On that note, let's uh, let's start the show, shall we? Yeah. And talk about actual serious things. Oh, yeah. Let's do the big segue. Let's do the U-turn. Okay, James, let's start with the latest from Russia and Ukraine. We're now into, right. oh, the sixth, seventh week of this. Far, far too many weeks. And the the, uh, the news, as you'd expect, just continues to be grim. As of this afternoon, this is a Tuesday afternoon, Ukraine have said that at least 40 people have died and dozens wounded after rockets hit a train station in the city of Kramatorsk in the east of the city. Thousands of people were there at the time as they were fleeing the Russian attacks. Uh, That's according to the governor of the Donetsk region. Mm -hmm. Russia, of course, have denied being involved in the strike. Oh. And this as... somebody else attacking Ukraine. No, no, this was this was a, just a... They came out of nowhere. And this is as Russia has stepped up its offensive in that region of Ukraine, uh-huh. withdrawing from the north of the city. Indeed, yeah, yeah. So, so as of, you know, th- this, is the, this is the latest, but every single day at this point, there is a new Mariupol, a new Cherniv, a new Kramatorsk. Well, yeah. It's... It's relentless. Well, they think of a new place that they want to do some war crimes in each day, and then they just go do those war crimes, and they see if it makes everyone run away or not, and they can occupy the place or not. Their their method, uh, the Russians' method of war, has not been one of finesse, and you know, even a war of finesse is unwelcome in my books. But this is this is bewildering to see. We'll talk about the the war crimes aspect in just a second because the main story from the last week or so has been about what's happened in the city of Butcher. Right, yeah. Which initially, according to, I believe it was the New York Times who posted the story and, and images, satellite imagery from March 19th, which allegedly showed bodies on the streets of this city in Ukraine two weeks before the Russians actually left. Um, It was first reported by the Times, confirmed by the BBC, and uh, contradicted the claims of the Russian foreign ministry, who said that these bodies, which uh, they had their hands tied behind their back, gunshot wounds, all sorts of horrific... ways in which these people had died, they accused the Ukrainians of staging it, but these satellite images would show you otherwise. The Ukrainian forces regained control of the town, it's just north of Kyiv, last week, and this is the the scenes they came across. And what happened in the wake of this, James, was that there were then further declarations of Russia's committing war crimes. Yeah. But we've now heard this for about three weeks, and this this is my question. It seems to me that I completely agree. Obviously, this is this is blatantly war crimes. I mean, yeah. But 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 then what? Is it just going to continue to be? Oh yes, they're doing war crimes, and everyone says, yeah, they are. And Russia says, no, we're not. Well, and that's it. There's it almost almost like dilutes the meaning of the of the phrase. Kinda, yeah. So the, the the Russian goal is just to keep denying and hoping that they can just move everyone on from it. But they, it's, I, I doubt they're going to be able to do that. Um, they they want to keep it all uh, as a denial and hopefully win the war and they, they just to own Ukraine and then everyone's going to have to forget about it unless you want more war. Um, but in terms of uh, people who are saying there's war crimes, they can they can prove it, right? And then you got to go through courts, international courts, stuff like that, to get uh, get it 
uh, recognize that it's happened and then you can take more measures internationally against it and do more to intervene and stuff like that. So it's a really slow process. We have seen some things along those lines turn around already and we are seeing um, more and more talks of uh, increasing the response to this. And Zelensky is doing a great job of holding everyone to account and pointing out how how nobody's doing enough. And we still are not doing enough. We're kind of still just mostly watching getting some of the oligarchs in a bit of poverty and and helping Ukraine have some guns and things, but not really doing anything super targeted. Well, we'll, we'll get into so the... A lot, this, this should make room for that. Right, we'll, we'll get into some of the latest sanctions in just a, a second. Yeah. But these images, which are graphic... It's awful. It's awful. ...were first, uh, first emerged at the end of March and then the start of this month. Yeah. We had fit, uh, footage from cars. We had the BBC who then arrived in the town and, and basically showed all the same stuff. Yeah. It's very clear that what's happened is the Russians have committed these atrocities, have then either fled or left, and this is what's been left in their wake. Yeah. I'm, but the, I'm, but the, question, the question is, you know, for, for me, it's no one will ever be held to account for these things because we've seen this in Chechnya mm-hmm. in the 1990s where and in Crimea even just uh, you know yeah. less than 10 years ago yeah. where similar things happened and everyone kind of collectively went oh okay yeah and and, and they were quickly forgotten and the, the repetition of that feels inevitable it feels like we are just going to collectively as a as a world move on from this and all of these people have been basically butchered in their final moments as civilians um, and we might just all agree to forget them at the end of this because we've all had a little bit too much of this war talk and it's time to look at peace t- times again and things like that. But we can hope that it doesn't happen again and we can still hope that there will be some sort of trials for different people who are either doing the deed or getting or, or um, putting out the commands to have it done because we do have a lot more surveillance in action this time around and, we're, and it's a lot more of it's public where we're saying where we're getting told yeah, yeah hey we've intercepted these emails from russia showing that this was actually ordered from the top not just the troops going wild so therefore the troops and the people at the top can both be held accountable and the more of these Person to person, disgusting acts that I see. The the less sympathy it is possible to have for the 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 individual troops that are fighting for Russia. Yep. Because while yes, they're all taken advantage of, and while yes, they're all misled and shoved into a place where they are terrified for their lives and they lose their humanity. <laughs> I still can't sympathize for them when they become atrocities. And I, and, I, and I hate that that's what, how far things have gone because it it should have never even begun. And we're at a point where we, you, you, you've got what otherwise would have been some relatively normal young men doing disgusting things because they've been put into a place where they lose themselves. And they deserve to have the rest of their lives just completely controlled and taken away from them because of that. Before we get on to the UK's response, which as always on this show, as we talk about it, is always subpar and deeply disappointing. Right. Let's talk about the hmm. the resolution or any potential resolution to all this, which would seem to be peace talks. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've heard just in the last day or so that according to Turkish mediators, uh, advisors to 
President Erdogan yeah. have said that these attacks on Ukrainian civilians are stalling the talks themselves yeah. and have condemned these uh, atrocities as completely unacceptable and inhumane. So, you know, it's the question we're all asking and all the articles are asking, which is, how does this come to an end? Yeah. And to me, the only the only solution there is, is that a, a, some sort of peace agreement is reached. But when that is and how they come to that, particularly when these you know, mountains of evidence now uh, coming together would appear to show the way that the Russian soldiers are treating, you know, completely unarmed, innocent civilians yep. would make this even you know, further off in the distance than it currently is. Well, yeah, it, Russia is making it pretty clear that they're not willing to talk about their accountability or like reparations or anything like that. They're, they, they don't want to give anything up in any peace talks. So, it's going to be impossible because any decent leader of a country seeing entire cities of their people being uh, displaced or entire towns being killed or I don't know how much loss of life we've seen. Now, they're not going to go like, OK, you guys, just, as long as you just kind of leave any of the the rest of the country alone, it's fine. You keep what you've got. All those occupied territories are yours and then all the people who died will forget about them. So there's not going to be an easy way to get any peace out. And this is what a lot of people are saying, is that a big part of why that is, is because there's not enough pressure on Russia yet. Yeah. Because the people that are being targeted by sanctions are just the less powerful oligarchs, the ones that are more accessible to the West. And we could do a lot more to target the inner circle and Putin themselves. Okay. And all of those things. Um, there, I can't remember. I saw... I don't remember who it was at this point, but there was someone. Someone did call all this out um, in uh, in front of um, all the media and all this, where they were pointing out, "We know the people to target with sanctions. Why are we targeting everyone else? Why are we going for like the coal industry ahead of just uh-huh. specific people?" Um, so unless we start doing that and we start targeting the people who are advising Putin and and Putin's own finances. Uh-huh. There's not going to be any pressure because they don't care about the plight of their own people. If we tank their whole economy, they're fine. They've got their they they're happy still. So, so my point is uh, on these sanctions. Just to update you in the last hour or so. Okay. The daughters of Putin have been sanctioned as part of uh, the UK government's response to the invasion. Okay. Uh, that applies to uh, Katerina and Maria, who will be subject to travel bans and asset freezes. Uh, this has also uh, been applied to the daughter of Sergei Lavrov, who's the Russian foreign minister. Yeah. They were also sanctioned by the US. But as you say, James, I mean, how, how much of an impact that has on Russia to be like, oh, no, my daughters in their late 30s can't can't travel anywhere. <laughs> I mean, yes. Well, we must stop the war. Well, and, but like, this, is too, this is a step too far. These are tiny steps, but they are a step and it's it's hard to no but but as no as you say look this to me is yeah. is small fry you're you're yeah. what you're freezing the assets of the daughters of the president i i, I appreciate that might be an inconvenience <laughs> for the two of them but they're going to be fine <laughs> they'll phone him and they'll say i'm upset and then he'll end the war no it, right it has to there are well, what can, but what can they do because a lot of those assets are in russian banks well yeah and yeah, yeah. which which stay in russia well i do i don't know the, the nitty-gritty of what the advised sanctions are but as far as i'm aware because right. smarter people than me are saying this they know the exact several thousand people who are the who would be the most vulnerable to target and we should just target them 
and like keep the rest of the sanctions as they are and all of that. But the rest of the work has to be on this list. I think it was Nelvania that released it or his team that released it. These are the people. And we aren't really focusing in on that. And the call is to do that because it puts so much more pressure on them because it's hitting the advisors and the yes men and, and all of those people directly. And they'll be more personally interested in ending the war because they don't care about the loss of human life. They don't care about the loss of soldiers. They don't care about the loss of equipment. They don't care about the loss of the economy so long as they're still got their, their circle healthy and happy. So target that circle. But we're not doing that. So the sanctions that we've been kind of like relatively happy about are being pointed out now are not enough and we need to do more and the fact that there's war crimes and stuff should make it easier to do that if any country is willing to start taking the lead okay well talking of not doing enough we've had the home secretary shitty chattel who's apologized for the time it's taking for ukrainian refugees to arrive in the uk under its two visa schemes This is after new figures showed just 12,000 refugees have so far reached the UK. That is 12,000 compared to, as we've talked about on this uh, show before, the over two and a half million that Poland have taken and the number which even Ireland have taken, which is dwarfing that of the UK. Other countries have taken hundreds of thousands, but off off those 12,000, 1,200 have come through the Homes for Ukraine scheme, which was the one which is sponsored by UK families who are... Or homes, hundreds of thousands of homes have been offered, and we've got a thousand and a bit yep. <laughs> fulfilled. Great! So we're over over, I believe, a hundred thousand people had offered their homes, and we're currently at twelve hundred. And then the other, wow, just under eleven eleven thousand have arrived under the Ukrainian family scheme for those with existing connections. Mad. So essentially, that's. I mean, it's terrible the fact that only one thousand two hundred people, without any connections at all to the UK already, have made it here is pitiful and embarrassing. And it's also the fact that the government has received over 80,000 visa applications so far. And uh, yes, Miss Patel, to give her her actual name, <laughs> uh, says uh, said in an interview, I apologise with the frustration myself. It takes time to start up a new route. Oh, does it? It's really weird that it takes time for... Apparently so. ...with nobody else. <laughs> and anyone else. Just us. <laughs> and that's the thing. It's like, why is it... Well, I mean, I, I, I know why I'm asking. I know the answer to this question. Why does it take so long to get into the UK? Because they don't want them here. Because <laughs> they don't want you here. That's why. Genuinely, they don't want the 12K that are here. They're the, they're the least yep. welcoming government that could have been in place. I mean, maybe a UKIP government might have been worse. I don't know. <laughs> right. Actually, it would, definitely would have been worse because they're it would. a Russian a Russian. Shill, but um, as far as legitimate governments go in the UK, Boris Johnson and his 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 bunch are so unfriendly to immigrants and so unfriendly to foreigner, unless it's one of their own and unless it's their own family and unless it's someone they're interested in. They want complete control so that they can choose who they like. And everybody else just forget it. But that's not going to change anytime soon. Like we're we're it's going to be a drip feed of refugees for well, <gasps> months, weird, years. It's not going to. They're not going to suddenly be like, you know what? If you apply for a visa, in you come. It's just not going to happen. It's just strange though because it could be another conservative triumph because they had a thousand pandemic failures, and then they had their one thing that they did well, which was the vaccine rollout, and it was. 
mainly because the NHS just did most of the work. And then the Conservatives were like, look what we did. The Conservative government, vaccine rollout, all us. We did a great job. And they could do it here. They could just let people do their jobs, let people arrive to the country that they want to be in, and then say, we, the Conservative government, did a great job of responding. And they wouldn't have to do any work. They just have to say, all right, everybody, do your, do your jobs. But they're just not doing it. And I guess they just don't know how well received the move will be in five or ten years' time if we had a massive influx of refugees. Who knows what the voter base of the future is going to think about that. So they're not willing to take that risk. Okay. The final story I wanted to talk about from the last week in regards to Russia is the United Nations General Assembly, who voted on Thursday to suspend Russia from the Human Rights Council yeah, after yeah, these you know. allegations of atrocities. Yeah. The voting was 93 in favour, 24 against, mm-hmm. and 58 abstentions. Yeah, which paints a picture. It, it certainly does, because that's almost half who have decided either to vote against or decided not to vote at all. Yep. Which really does say something about the way that this and these things are being viewed across the world, certainly by the representatives or, or the country's representatives at the UN. Yeah. Now, a lot of those countries, they may feel like they're under pressure from Russia to no vote or abstain because, you know, money or because, you know, threats. Um, a lot of those countries might feel like they don't want to see anyone getting ejected from things because, you know, they might also be because they're doing atrocities too. There's a, there's a, there's a lot of reasons that that you see a no vote or an ab- ab- abstention. The important thing, of course, is that the, the majority did vote for it. And that's that's the good thing. We can look at the rest of those countries individually and figure out why they chose to no vote or why they chose not to vote Um but the most important thing is that hey, we like it's a tiny little gesture, but guess what? Russia might not be very good at human rights, so maybe they shouldn't be in charge of it. <laughs> wow, well done, world! It's the the most minor of things to do to just uh, it's not even removing them; it's suspending, suspending them. Suspending, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I, I presume at some point that means that they might decide. To unsuspend them. Possibly. You know. But the fact is that they were in a position of authority in the UN and they're getting that authority removed at least for now. And it kind of gives a little bit of credibility towards the UN and that effort and it takes away a little bit of credibility from Russia and that does matter. I'm going to go back to the question I've asked on several episodes already. What's the end goal or what's the end... Is there an end in sight of this? Is it just... A case that we talk about this for the next, you know, months, years. It's going to be a lot. It's going to be, it's going to be ages and ages, yeah. But I think the Russian goal is clearly shifting towards putting the soldiers that they have in the in the territory they can keep, and they're hoping that the peace agreement will 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 align with the territory they are occupying. Um, it doesn't look like they're aiming for another push anytime soon, um, according to people with bigger brains than me. If those people are wrong, then wow, Russia have done a good job of hiding something. Um, but they are moving their troops and, and fortifying positions, which means that while they might not be aiming for peace soon, they're at least just trying to wear everyone down until right. there's a stalemate and Russia gets just the current uh, occupied borders. And I, I don't know what that does for them. I, I don't understand how this is a profit for them. I don't see any yep. future in which Russia is in a better place after this war than they were before it. Or like even in a hundred years afterwards, how they've made all their investment and stuff back. But 
they be, they're just they're just they've just lost it and that's it we're, we're dealing with a country that has lost its leadership but it's also as you've said there it, it may well be the fact that Russia is attempting to as you say consolidate where they currently have troops and where they currently have control but yeah. at what point i don't see it this at this current point in time being something that president zelensky agrees to to say you know what yeah sure you can have these bits of no, ukraine no that's that's the big thing yeah so while ukraine has the support of the world behind it they can actually hold out a lot longer than russia hoped um, and it's just about trying to keep all of the civil civilians away from it and trying to get them out of cities that are under threat and all of that which is really difficult and it's proving to be an impossible task so they'll hold on as long as they can but if they keep seeing more and more civilians dying it might just wear down their own like that's the russian the russian goal is hey if we keep doing all these atrocities the leaders of the ukraine will stop will want to stop that by any means including giving up so we've got to have this global effort to have a little bit more than 12,000 people safe. Right, James, let's move on. Let's talk about things which totally matter. Right. Entertainment. Absolutely. And what we've been watching okay. this week. As previously mentioned, I have seen The Batman and I have also seen The Eyes of Tammy Faye, which was the film for which Jessica Chastain won Best Actress. Uh, James, have you watched anything? I finished I finished the anime. I can try and ad-lib something about it, but I forgot to, to write a review, so, but nice. I'll do my best. Okay, and we will also hear from Anthony, who finished the TV show... Uh, Mrs. America, which I've never heard of, but we will hear about it in just a few minutes or so. But let, let's start off, let's kick off with the Batman. This is the reboot of the Batman franchise. If you are yep. paying attention, this was uh, this is the newest movie since we've seen Ben Affleck don the, uh, the Caped Crusaders cape, cowl, <laughs> thing. In the uh, Justice League and Batman vs. Superman films. Right, right, yes, yes. And yes, instead yes. we have Robert Pattinson of Twilight yeah. and The Lighthouse fame and Good Time fame, who is a very, very good actor. I like him very much. Yeah. This is a, he made all his money and now he does the good stuff. Yeah. He, he, this is directed and co-written by Matt Reeves, who is best known for his Apes franchise trilogy, which was very well received. A, a good a good trilogy. Yeah. Excellent trilogy. And it's been out in cinemas for a few weeks. I suspect it will continue to be out in cinemas for a few more weeks. We also have Paul Dano as the Riddler. Yes. We have Jeffrey Wright, who is best known from Westworld and uh, the Bonds series as... Uh, Lieutenant Jim Gordon, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman, oh, yeah. Colin Farrell with mm-hmm. so much prosthetics he's unrecognisable as the Penguin, <laughs> yeah. and John Turturro as Carmine Falcone. So, oh yeah, let me yeah, just let yeah. me just start with this. I enjoyed this so much that I want to go watch it again. All right, nice. That's that's really good to hear. <laughs> Even though the film is far from perfect, so right. the main problems I have. Is number one the runtime? This film is almost three hours long. Yeah, I think it's two hours fifty-three. Yeah, 
which is which is tough. People need to learn from directors like Villeneuve, which is just cut the good stuff even, which he does all the time. And also, and they could have done this because I thought the film was wrapping up about the two hours 20 mark and then it went to a, a final act, which descended into almost disaster movie territory. Oh no! And I, I understand I understand why they did it in the context of the film and the, the story it's telling of this essentially incel, the Riddler. It does make some sort of sense, okay. but I felt it was an unnecessary addition to the end. Okay. However, yeah. that that being said, this is exactly what I wanted from a new Batman movie because it is so unlike any other Batman movie I've seen. Yes. <laughs> and by, by that I mean it's a neo-noir detective film. Yes. It is not a superhero film. It's a detective movie. Yes. Oh. So... I've not looked at any reviews. This is the best news. <laughs> and it's so... Like, this is the thing. I hadn't read any reviews either. I'd seen a few clips. I'd seen the trailers. Yeah. yeah. And then, after about, you know, even, what, five, six minutes, you're, I, I realised, wait, hold on a second. This is not... The Christopher it's Nolan, Detective Batman, Christian Bale Batman, who's just like a suave billionaire, who's you know wisecrack. And the thing is, I really enjoy the Nolan trilogy. I think it's excellent. However, yeah, yeah they're great, excellent, excellent. Yeah. This is so different. It is really well directed and edited. The cast, even the minor characters, who show up in a couple of scenes, universally great. Uh, Robert Pattinson's take on the Batman, who actually in this movie he isn't called the Batman. He's called something else, which I will yeah. save. He goes by a different name in this film. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's uh, uh, his take on all this is very fresh, because <laughs> his name is Depresso. <laughs> his name is emo rock star who gave up on life in the mid two thousand. But the the take is different. It's not just just a oh let's try and do what Christian Bale did. Let's let's do what Michael Keaton did and blend them together. He, he goes at this from a completely new angle. This is this is what makes the this is what makes the Batman as a character so good though. I love yep. the more detective-y stuff. I love the stuff where it's just an investigation. He uses his tech to help, but he isn't like saving the world. He isn't like punching a whole billion people into the floor. <laughs> and then that stuff happens sometimes, but it's not the driving point of the film. I am loving the sound of this. Yeah, yeah. It is such a relief to see the trailers that I was so into and hear all the rumors that I was just so into and hear it's like actually that. Yep, it is. And it's really nicely done. As you say, it's it's using tech, but in a detective way. Yeah, it's not just like, cargo, cargo, boom, I'm James Bond now. My car's got the big guns. Yeah, precisely, yeah. And it's the fact that, you know, visually... It's got this really nice atmosphere the entire way through. Quite similarly, similar to Nightmare Alley, which I reviewed a few weeks ago. All right. You never really see a, an awful lot of the skyline. A lot of it is underground, nice. lower nice. level streets. It's dark. It's dark almost the entire way That's through. Where Batman belongs. Really nicely done. That's what they were going to call it. <laughs> There's only a couple of scenes which are set at sunrise, and that's about it. There's humor in there, and whilst the character slash this version of Bruce Wayne still has a lot of soul searching and unpicking to do. You know, I, I'm I had a lot of questions about this Bruce Wayne. It is set up for future movies. There's a scene at the end which very much shows that there is more more to come. 
nice. from this okay. franchise. I'm happy. And that, I'm sure, will then dig deeper into okay. what's going on under the okay. emo I'm fringe happy. of, of yeah. Mr. Wayne. So and then now, now DC DC drop all the other, other films they're doing and they just make this the beginning of the universe where they have a lot of different feeling of film that actually treats the characters like characters, please. Yeah. So, so I really did enjoy this. I would recommend you check it out. But it is three hours long. So take a picnic <laughs> yeah. and yeah. make sure you have a good night's sleep the, rest, the, the night oh, before man, because yeah. otherwise you may doze yeah, off. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I, for, for what it was, okay, okay it's, it does have its flaws, but I really, really liked it. Nice. Okay, James, what about you? What do you watch? I finished an anime. The anime is called Ranking of Kings. Oh, interesting. So premise basically is that it's a... Fantasy. So they have world. all the kings and they stand in a line and then kind someone of, picks yeah. who's the best one. Yeah, but it's not a line, it's just more higher level than that. It's just like there, okay. the, the ranking of kings isn't even that important in the ranking of kings. It's just we know who the rank one king is, the best king in the world. And we know who the two is. I mean, we know that there's a system okay. for it. But we haven't really explored that system because it's, it's more about a succession struggle and the death of a king. And family ties and being an outcast and all of those things. So this is an incredibly cartoonish anime. I encourage you to go watch like a trailer for Ranking of Kings because okay. it looks like a kid's show. And in a lot of ways... It uh, is, but, it, but it's not. It, well, in a lot of ways, it's just a really, really good kid's show. But sometimes <laughs> it's quite violent. Um, right. Because it is, it's, it keeps the purity that it promises in the, in the artwork. The artwork deliver, it says like, hey, this is going to be like somewhat simple, somewhat pure, somewhat cliche. And then it is. But then if you're paying attention, if you're watching it with your brain off, it might just be that. But if you're watching it with your brain on, it's got depth to the characters. They all have little subtle growths and little moments where they get to shine. And there's a whole host of characters and motivations. And in the power struggle, you're not quite sure who's on whose side. And you think there's two sides, and then suddenly there's three sides, and then suddenly there's four sides, and then there's external interests. And they don't make sense. No. Oh, right. Okay. It's an, it's an actually complicated story. It's a 24 something, ep- 24 episode show, I think it was. Maybe it was less than that. Um, so it's, it's a chunky season, um, but it covers so much in terms of just talking about family and relationships and building friendships and building trust and betrayal and all those things. And it does it in such a simple on the nose way that it all lands. And then if you're looking for the subtle stuff as well, it's like, yeah, you noticed. Well done. And I, I, this is like one of the favorite things I've watched recently, just because they delivered on the simplicity while also delivering with some depth. Okay. And and they kept the un- the unbelievable stuff front and center. Like, this isn't real. Well done. You notice that this isn't real. But then it feels real anyway. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's genuinely one of the best things I've seen in a long time. And I don't think many other people are going to enjoy it as much as I did. But it was just perfect for me. Um, and it, it really is completely fantastical. Completely ridiculous. Um so there's it's 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 something that you can barely even really touch if you were trying to think hey how do i put myself in the shoes of an all-powerful wizard you can't but because they've stripped the character down to such a basic level you can (laughs) all of those things as the bad guys have legitimate motivation something that's lacking in most media these days it is 
genuinely so good. And if I if you want if you watch the trailer and you like it, I'll also say to watch like the intro or two of the intros to the show because it's got two, just to get a okay. feel of the general flavor and how they're tying even things like the music in because they did the music so well as well. It was all so good. I I was it was one of those shows where I didn't want it to finish, so I was like <laughs> hesitant to watch the last episode. But nice, it was always going to be the last one no matter how long I waited. Okay. One addition, completely forgot, is that the main character of Ranking of Kings is a deaf child. Oh, they're not—they're not treated as like soft or anything. They're not given this like this little—they they, they treat it legitimately and they use it as like a means of empowerment. Even right, I loved that as well. So worth checking out. 100%. Fair enough. Okay, James, uh, time's ticking by. <laughs> Let me very quickly say uh, myself and Graham have finished Breaking Bad Season 4. Hey. And my main thought at the end of the show of Season... The end of Season 4, which, by the way, phenomenal, is I think the writers, or rather Vince Gilligan, maybe thought it was his last show. I don't know if Season 5 had been greenlit because oh, the way everything... Yeah. Somewhat resolves if you can if you think back and reminisce about the death of a f- certain villain. Mm-hmm. It's it is somewhat resolved. It, it's okay. Of course, there's un- unanswered threads, but yeah, various things have been brought to an end. To the extent Graham asked, "What are you going to do in season five? Because because it seems as if everything's been resolved. And again, if you think back to season five, there is the introduction of new villains and new people. Which, actually, in hindsight, may well have been the case that they got season five unexpectedly greenlit, and suddenly they had to think, oh, how do, right, how do we resolve the season, rest? How, yeah. how, how do we do this? Yeah. And of course, there, is still, there are still things like uh, Walter White, and is he going to get caught? What about Jesse? What about Skyler and Hank's investigation? All these things, which are still... They're there. Yep, questions that need answered. Yeah. But you could have actually left it at season four, and yeah, it would have been frustrating that not everything was resolved, yeah. but... It would have given some sense of closure. So it is a great show, but it did make me think maybe this was meant to be the ending. But maybe they did that with most of the seasons, and and because most of them are kind of written to some kind of an end. Yeah, um, that's true. And, and then sometimes the last couple of episodes, you can tell, got a little bit changed because they got the green light. So maybe you are right that they they just didn't get the green light soon enough during production to to not change the last few episodes this time. It's a good uh, thought. And also Walter White is a terrible, terrible person. I completely forgot about the ending of oh. season four, where oh. Jesse's um, oh. stepson, Brock, is near death in hospital because he's been poisoned. Yeah. And awful. turned out that um, someone was responsible for that. Yeah. Terrible, terrible man. Anyway, Truly. if, dear listener, you have finished a TV show or a season of a TV show, a movie, a play, a book, anything, you can send it to us, at gmail.com, as Anthony has done. We're going to get to that in just a second. But my final review of this week is The Eyes of Tammy Faye, which is on Disney Plus and stars Jessica Chastain, Oscar winner, and Andrew Garfield as the 1970s American prosperity gospel couple, mm-hmm. Tammy Faye and Jim Baker, and the story of how they became the most mm-hmm. famous televangelists in the country, and the subsequent scandals that brought that to a shuddering halt. And it also has the magnificent Vincent D'Onofrio, and uh, the oh, yeah. very famous Cherry Jones in supporting roles. Cherry Jones is always like the, the mum in these, the elderly mother in these films. If you Google her, you recognize her instantly. Okay, first things <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> first, let's pretend 
that I didn't say that Nicole Kidman should win the Oscar for being the Ricardos because... Oh, yep, okay, 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 give okay. It, give it to Jessica Chastain. She, to- she totally deserved this. From the opening okay. shot, she is absolutely unrecognisable and plays this real-life right. character, Tammy Faye, right. from the age of her early 20s until her late 50s. And both wow. Chastain and Garfield play the role of, you know, unsettlingly, unsettlingly charismatic, almost nauseatingly yep. over the top uh, prosperity uh, yep. gospel preachers with exactly the right amount of sleaze. However, oh. Chastain as Tammy is endearing enough to be likable, particularly when oh. she starts making comments which would have been seen as very, very liberal. In the 1980s, right. such as, you know, treating people right. with HIV and AIDS as human beings. Wow, you know, I take which, and a half that. Can't which, believe Which it. at the time, in uh, in those Christian circles, was seen as, oh, you know... Oh, absolutely, uh, yeah. Just the, just the absolute worst. Yeah. But then the movie begins to unravel. There's affairs, missing funds, theft, gaslighting, and doing terrible, terrible things all in the name of God. And America. And money. Oh, wait, no. Indeed. Just got in America. So, in a, a very brief summary, it's some way short of being a must-see. But if you are a big fan of Miss Chastain uh-huh. and would like to see a memorable a memorable Oscar-winning performance, then, you know, crack on. Nice. Fire away. Nice. But, uh, no, I would, I would have watched... Um, if you noticed, Andrew Garfield's Oscar nomination was for Tick, Tick, Boom. It was not for this movie. And off the two... Right, 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 right. I would absolutely rewatch Tick, Tick, Boom again. Okay. So there we go. Got it. There's your choice. I mean, good year for good year for Garfield, though. He has had, he has had a good a good year. Wow. And he looked he looked very good in the Oscars. I must say, I, the, the camera went over to him when he was. Oh yeah. He's, after they play the highlight yeah. reel of like his best scene, and I was like, oh damn, yeah. son, looking yeah, he's, good. He's, yeah, he's got he's got something going right. <laughs> he does. Plastic surgery? No, okay. no, he's actually no. But yeah, no, but no, just like one of those people is just he annoyingly is naturally just talented, accidentally handsome, handsome all the time. Ugh. Just great, Ugh. disgusting. The worst people. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's go to this listener review. Anthony, tell us about Mrs. America. Hi, you seesaw parade. Here I go again with another review. Yes, but this time for a TV show. Oh, this past week I rewatched Mrs. America. Right, and oh man. I forgot how much I loved it. I don't even know it. Mrs. America is a historical drama based on the events and characters uh, behind the 1970s women's movement and their push to pass the Equal Rights Amendment. All right. But the title character, Mrs. Phyllis Phyllis Schlafly, (laughs) played by the very talented Kate Blanchett, is the conservative oppositional force to this movement. Oh. She's out to protect the role of the traditional American homemaker. Mm-hmm. Wives who are totally engrossed in their primary occupation of raising a family and minding the home. That they simply cannot take on another job outside of the home. No. And also get drafted into oh, the Vietnam War. Impossible. Women would be exhausted. Yeah. And children would be practically orphans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but the show is so much more than a political back and forth and the characterization of both sides of this movement. These characters are so masterfully written. Each episode highlights a different woman in this narrative. And oh man, we see that their lives are so complex and more in the gray than the black and white issues they are publicly fighting for. Mm -hmm. Blanchett's character alone, besides being terrifying at times, is by no means the typical traditional American housewife. 
having failed multiple congressional runs, mm-hmm. and working in the circles of a male-dominated government, oh. she definitely knows from firsthand experience that women are being put down and have <laughs> not and are not being seen for their true worth. Yeah. We don't hear these quote-unquote liberal views uh, spew from Blanchette's mouth, but there are moments where you know she knows, and yet there she is, perpetuating the injustice. Oh. Ugh, I could talk so much more about this show, but just go and watch it. Let it speak for itself. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I actually hope it's available in the UK so you can go and watch it. If not... Stop oppressing women off com and let it be shown in the UK. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. I, I mean, I'll be honest. I don't know if you can watch it. I'm going to have to look it up. Yeah, I've will. never even heard of the show, but if Kim Plot Chance in it, then it must be good. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think that's how shows work, but it did sound very, very good. Absolutely. And that's a very interesting side of the of the whole thing to make your character yes. have. And it, it makes the most sense when you hear about it. Someone hardworking, someone who is experiencing it all, but is still fighting to keep things as they were. That is that is one of the most interesting characters. Okay, well, before we, we uh, finish up this section with a trailer, let's talk about the latest with the slap haired round the world. This is uh, with Will Smith who, as of today, the Board of Governors of the uh, the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences right. uh, are to meet later to consider sanctions against him after his Whoa. assault. They're going to sanction his daughters. <laughs> have their assets frozen. Singular, singular. Uh, Smith has since apologised and resigned from the Academy. And uh, this board meeting was then brought forward. Um, so they're considering suspending his membership, but after, of course, he resigned, they can't do that anymore. <laughs> they're going to reinstate it, then suspend it. I, uh, the thing is, I don't really know what they can do, because I mean, the likes of Harvey Weinstein and other of people of his ilk never had any awards rescinded. Roman Polanski being another one. You know, a convicted criminal yeah, yeah, yeah. who have retained their awards, so I don't <sighs> I think he'll yeah. be stripped of it. But I mean, if they did, then we've got then we've all got the the in right. If they if they take anything away from a Smith, and we're like, well, look at all these other people you should be taking things away from, huh? Right. Well, there's there's a couple of uh, high profile projects which have stalled. Yeah, basically. Uh, with Will Smith in them, Netflix have stopped work on the action thriller Fast and Loose, and Bad Boys Four. Oh no, has been also <laughs> wow, halted. Oh dear. Disaster. <laughs> Okay, but what what do we think, James? For for real, again, this is a story which is perpetuating itself because people like us talk about it. But ultimately, well, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Chris Rock hasn't really said anything. He he started a, a comedy stand up routine uh, the day after the Oscars, or perhaps a couple of days after, and he essentially said, "I've not processed it yet. So if you're expecting jokes about it, you know, it's not going to happen because I don't know what to say yet. It's not the time. Yeah. So there's not been any there's not been anything like that other than Will Smith resigning. Exactly, and and like as you say, the academy just tried. It mostly just tried to make itself look good by lying and then covering up, and then is now trying to pretend that they can do anything that of of meaning because they didn't act in the moment, and therefore they lost all of their potential to act. Um, so the interesting thing for me is the fallout for the academy. Does this become something where they have to rethink their entire structure? Do they think about what they do when people break the rules a bit more often? Uh, do they stop treating everybody like they're above the law, well, for example? They, they said, I don't know if we talked about this last week, they did apparently ask Mr. Smith to leave and he refused. Well, yeah, but that's also being called into question, right, whether right. they even did that. 
So we don't know if they're telling the truth there. I doubt. I doubt they. I doubt they are. They probably said, "Hey, could you leave, please? Would you like to leave now?" You know, something along those lines. One of the polite ones. And he just didn't. He just didn't. <laughs> yep. Um, but it does. It, the the questions that will be getting asked of them from now until they have a some sort of a reasonable statement or a reasonable change of their hierarchy. Yeah. That yeah. matters. So. That's about it, though. There's The whole world's talking about it, and they're trying to decide whether the joke was too far, whether the slap was too far. And it's like, well, the joke, it's a joke, it's all subjective. The slap, it's not subjective, that was bad. So easy peasy, it's not a big discussion. Um, I don't know what else to, I don't know what else to go with it. Okay. We, we, we just have a, it's just this moment that is going to be remembered forever. It's going to overshadow an entire year's worth of Oscars. Yep. Maybe more than one year's worth of Oscars, especially depending on what they do next year. Yep. Um, Probably make a joke about it. There will be some clunky joke made about it. There's people are saying that they're going to get Ricky Gervais in to host it and he'll he'll do his whole not very funny talk about a thing for way too long while laughing at his own jokes thing. That would be hilarious because he's not funny and I want to see that on stage again. Um, Okay. But just at this point, we are about to talk about Rishi Sunak, who in the days after what happened uh, with Will Smith, compared himself to Will Smith and said he knew how he felt about his wife being criticised <laughs> yeah, yeah. because both their wives were criticised and he he feels like Will Smith. Unfair criticisms. Uh. Yeah, no. Like, it's definitely... One person's assets in morally uh, bad countries is very comparable to somebody making a joke about a, a bald head. It's the same thing. <laughs> Morality and baldness. Yeah, someone escaping £5 million worth of tax <laughs> yeah. versus being bald. <laughs> You know, she deserves, like, Rishi Sunak's wife deserves the privacy of anybody who is a publicly facing person, which is none, by the way, because they are recognised as a different kind of level to the rest of us. Okay. James, we have one trailer to talk about before we get into um, Rishi's <laughs> wife, and this is Marcel no, the Shell with get, Shoes On. No, let's not get into Rishi's wife. You, you, you knew what I meant. Here's a trailer. All right, so I'm making, like, a little documentary. Oh, it's like it's a like... movie, but nobody has any lines and nobody even knows what it is while they're making it. Mm. No? Mm-hmm. Tell me about what's life like. It's pretty much common knowledge that it takes at least 20 shells to have a community. My cousin fell asleep in a pocket, and that's why I don't like the saying everything comes out of the wash. Because sometimes it doesn't, or sometimes it does, and they're just like a completely different person. So, it's actually only two of us now. Myself and my grandmother, Nana Connie. We like to watch 60 Minutes because Leslie Stahl is fearless. Okay, James, this is the uh, uh, the film I never knew I wanted, but now I've seen the trailer, I want it. Yep, exactly. Can I, can I... Can I state to begin with that this film is giving me the same kind of vibes that I'm getting from Ranking of Kings, where it's just going, hey, completely, completely fiction, absolutely just deliberately, incredibly charming. You'll enjoy it with your brain off, but I'm expecting it to be a very brain on film. But what's funny is that this is a a YouTube film from like 2010, maybe it was before that, 2009, just this like stop motion animation shell. Yeah. With yeah. shoes that I'd completely forgotten about, yes. and now they decide to make a movie out of it because you know why not? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and of course it's A two four who are doing it, right? 
it. Exactly. Of, of all the production houses to do it, it's going to be them. Yeah. But it just looks so good. Like, this is the, it looks like the kind of thing that is just going to deliver on the emotions that you need it to, and it's going to do it perfectly. I, like this I will probably cry. If you, yeah, if you haven't seen the trailer, go give it a go. And if you haven't seen Marcel before, just Google. Find out about Marcel a wee bit. Yes. There's a reason that they got a film, and it's because it is obviously just such a good opportunity. Right, James, we said we were going to get into Rishi Sunak's wife. Let's do it. This is yep. Akshata Murthy, mm-hmm. who, as of uh, this afternoon, Rishi Sunak has defended his wife's tax affairs, calling reports on her non-domicile status as unpleasant smears. So, to explain what that means... Smears. Mm, interesting. Mrs. Sunak has opted to claim non-domicile status, which means she doesn't have to pay UK tax yeah. on money she makes overseas. And according to, uh, the BBC have estimated she avoided £2 million a year in UK tax. And other critics have said in the last couple of years that amounts to almost £5 million in tax that has been avoided. Avoided because she opted into this. is the wife of the UK Chancellor, who this week... Raise taxes for millions of people. Yeah, so... James. Non-domicile stuff is legitimate for people who have a legitimate reason to claim it. Don't know why. Well, no, because you can maybe be within the UK borders and have no actual ties to the place. Maybe. But, you know, if you're investing in a school or your kids are getting an education here, or let's say your your partner is the is a leader in the country and you live uh, beside the prime minister, um, maybe you're a bit more invested uh, in the country and you might actually have uh, reason to suspect that there is an intent to stay here for any, any amount of time. Uh, so it is a complete and obvious misuse of the, of the status, which is why the best that Sunak can come up with is, is calling it a smear just pretending it's fake because it is just true that this is misused. And I hope HMRC look into it because they can. They're allowed to just go, actually, that doesn't work for you. (laughs) You are invested in this country. You are here for a while. Pay your taxes. Yeah. um, I hope hope that this also shows us that it's a scheme that is too easy to sign up to because Clearly it is. <laughs> if you can just assign yourself this status by declaring an interest in it, how many other people will have done it and are keeping all of their foreign investments safe from tax? Can I do it? Let's find out. I mean, it is the kind of thing where I'm thinking, right, if the wife of the UK chancellor can say that because, yeah, she does some work overseas, therefore she doesn't have to pay any tax on it, I, I can do that, right? Because I work with clients who who, who are overseas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but she's got family ties in India, right? And that's the thing. She's got family ties. So she's going to depend on that. But she's got three houses in the UK. She's got one holiday home in America. She's richer than the Queen. She, she's got no actual intent to return or to stay in the country that she's claiming she's got the ties to that make her not a taxpayer here. Um, yep. It all it all comes into question as soon as you look at the legitimacy of it. So there is the little shred of legitimacy. She's got family ties. But that pales in comparison to all the other ties that are showing that she is in the UK, <laughs> invested in it, and 
getting the benefit from the taxes that we pay. She is benefiting from my Indeed. taxes and yours and everyone else's yep. with, without paying her own fair share because the, 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 the tax she's dodging would be the fair share. What's also happened in this very same week is that tax has increased yeah. on employees, businesses and self-employed people mm-hmm. who will now pay an extra 1p25 in the pound. It's a lot. To be spent. It is a lot. Which will now apparently be spent on health and social care. And this, of course, is just exacerbating the cost of living crisis as energy bills hit record highs, as they have done in the last um, eight days. And petrol prices are still stubbornly high. They're at record highs as well. Well, And now we're all paying more tax. Yeah. And it's the conservative way. It's lump all of the... uh, lump all of the burden on the poorest and on the working class and and on middle class even now because they can't keep it keep us all down enough um so that we can kind of barely stay afloat in in for long enough that they can pass control to labor eventually and blame labor for the collapse i guess because this is a collapse the 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 quality of life was already projected to decrease over the next year more than it has in a, any year since the 50s that's embarrassing uh healthcare is uh, uh worse than it has been in a long time and we need far more equipment and hospitals replaced than than this tax can pay for they're trying to pretend that hey if we all contribute national insurance the healthcare system will be fixed the national insurance increase cannot even cover the the upcoming costs of the NHS never mind all the other things that they're pretending it's going to cover they need far more um, revenue generating sources or tax generating sources but they just refuse to do anything that doesn't target everyone fairly and therefore target the people who don't have expendable income the most One final story about Mr Sunak before we move on it was also the news that he and his wife were legally declared to be permanent US residents whilst <laughs> yeah. he was still the <laughs> Chancellor of the UK I think he might not be so good at paperwork you know, uh. which for a leader of the country I think paperwork might be important if, if you're the, the chancellor of a country maybe it's time to drop your permanent residence in a different country i don't i honestly don't understand that story at all but that's that's the reality neither of them currently have the green cards but they did yeah, it was have for the first year when yeah. when he was the chancellor of the uk which is just insane it's n- his ratings by the way of time well, understandably so because it's been a long time since anything remotely along the lines of super rishi or whatever has been on around uh i think dishy rishi i believe was the name <laughs> okay sure <laughs> i think everything since uh, eat out to help out has just been a spiral downwards of <laughs> not well chosen policies that are not actually helping yep. people and mostly just putting a tiny little plaster on a fatal wound Talking off that, let's move on and talk about the government selling Channel 4. This is a thing that's happening. But yeah, one of our few profitable public-owned uh, things. Yeah, Great, they've, let's they've get rid of an asset. Yeah, they've decided to push ahead with the plans to privatise the broadcaster. That's according to the Culture Secretary Nadine Dorries, who is 
just the worst person, but she's concluded that government ownership is holding Channel 4 back yeah. from competing against streaming giants like Netflix and Amazon. Well, because Netflix is, is the goal. You want to be a failing business. Yay, yeah. Netflix, which, hasn't, which isn't making money and is having to desperately try to suck more money out of its current subscriber base because it can't grow anymore. Let's be more like them. This, it's been accused that the, the government have been accused of doing this because they don't like the fact that this channel and particularly its yes. news output is one of the most vocal yeah. critics of what it does. Is that fair? Yes, because and especially once we see who they're going to be lining up for the bids. <laughs> like I think I think there's going to be a certain few names on the bidding who are going to be very suspect and very much more pro Tory than the than the uh, than the public owned channel has been because they've been interested in the truth, and the channel isn't held back. Not at all. It is profitable, and that's it's what not, matters. It's not even publicly funded. It's it makes its money through adverts. We don't pay a penny exactly. for it. Exactly. We don't. We yeah. All we have is benefit from it, and they're trying to pretend that there'll be more benefit by giving it to someone who's already got too much money and too much influence in the world. And no, this is just. All they want to do is balance the books a little bit. They'll make a whole p- pile of cash from the sale and that will give them a little bit of green and then they'll look good for now because Tories forever have just been selling things that we as the public own and benefit from for less than it's worth so that it can look good and then it just all collapses in the future. It's led to the collapse of so many businesses and industries complaints about so many businesses and industries it is not a strategy that works but we've not got we're, we are running out of things for them to sell <laughs> this is true nhs it's up next yeah but in the meantime all those failed um deals of the past we're paying for again now by by re by reowning them we're buying them back from the private companies who have failed to have them for 40 years yeah. it's it's just inevitable but the channel 4 thing it is clearly just because they don't like channel 4 and they want different leadership. And the easiest way to do it and make money is sell. Okay, penultimate story for this episode. The US Supreme Court is to include a black female justice for the first time in its 233-year history. This yeah. was after the Senate confirmed that Justice Katanji Brown-Jackson uh, would be included in the nine-member branch. Uh, this is because, I believe, it's Stephen Breyer who is uh, the judge who's being replaced mm-hmm. uh, by Miss Jackson in the summer, yeah. uh, because he's retiring. Yes. So this was uh, passed by 53 votes to 47 because three Republicans uh, decided to cross the divide and vote for Miss Jackson. Yeah. Uh, this was uh, described as a joyous day by various people on the Democrat side and various people from the Republicans were very unhappy. Uh, thoughts on this, James? Uh, the Republicans' uh, rhetoric around it has been as embarrassing as you might expect. They've been yep. as disgusting as you might expect. They are holding on to the separation of the parties and not working together as hard as they can and they're going to keep trying to blame the Democrats for it. And it will work because people are gullible. Um, this is an important one because... The Republicans and their interested judges have such a majority that losing any further seats would be disastrous. Um, So it is very key that someone of, you know, a different take to standard Republican got the seat and they managed to squeeze through before the, the votes changed the state of the Senate really soon, very scarily soon. Um... I've seen a lot of people saying that the headlines shouldn't be about their race and their gender, but 
when it comes to equally qualified candidates and people who are obviously right for the job, you can think about all those secondary things that yep. would have held them back for their entire life and been a disadvantage. And the fact that they overcame those hurdles is impressive. And that does become the headline because otherwise it would just be like person, normal person, but it isn't. This is someone who was not treated fairly through their life and yep. they still became the best candidate for the job. And that makes them interesting. And it is a big step for the States, and I'm sure for a lot of people, to see either someone of color or someone of the same gender to them in a place of power that they can project themselves onto and feel empowered by it. That matters. And it's the kind of thing that Republicans just want to shut down. But they'll do it as well, because if it was one of their own. Okay, one final story, because time is ticking down, and this is an important one. A new report by UN scientists oh. uh, has found that it is, and here's the phrase, now or never. I'm so surprised. To limit the uh, effects of climate change. Wow. Here's the stat, which, here's the line which gets me, okay? Yeah. To avoid the fate of, oh, no. as uh, again, a quote here, unprecedented heat waves, Terrifying storms, widespread water shortages. The world's going to keep its rising temperatures at or under one and a half degrees this century. Wow. Here's the line. Yep. To stay under one and a half degrees, the amount of CO2 that the world has emitted in the last 10 years is the same amount that's left for the rest of the century. Yep. To keep us under this key temperature threshold. Yep. So... To put it lightly, <laughs> we're fucked. I mean, yeah, it's the end of the world because we're relying on we're relying on politicians to get this done. And and so to quote no. again, as you say, relying on politicians. Here's the quote from uh, Mr. Guterres, who was the uh, the lead author of the report. Here's the quote. Some government and business leaders are saying one thing and doing another. Simply put, they are lying and the results will be catastrophic. It will be. And this is going to be like the news for the rest of our lives is is the increase in all of these things, displacing people, killing people, causing entire countries to collapse over time. Get used to that. And don't switch your brain off and don't stop caring. This is because we will. We're going to struggle so much to start to 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 care because it's going to be relentless because businesses are not interested in changing they're interested in their profits governments are not interested in making legitimate change they're interested in keeping countries running as they are and keeping the businesses happy and keeping their them and their friends afloat so we aren't going to see the necessary change the best we can hope for is massive investment into carbon capture, which is the only hope I have. There is no way we're going to get rid of the oil industry and burning all those fossil nope. fuels and burning all the coal. Not a chance. There is no way we're going to get rid of uh, like but, uh, the, the, the military industrial complex that is causing a massive amount of pollution or really wasteful uh, uses of like ships and planes and stuff like that. We aren't going to change infrastructure to that degree and especially not by 2025, which is the deadline um, for carbon ne- uh, neutral living. Um, the only hope is that, we, is that all of our governments and all of the businesses realize how profitable carbon capture is and how much it's going to keep us alive and therefore put all the money towards that now. So I don't know. I've got no influence, but hey, do it, please. <laughs> yeah. Because we, it's, it's, we're screwed. We're dead. Like the world is dead. It is. We've known this for decades, um, but this is the wor- This is the genuine, the most straightforward that the UN have put it yet. Uh-huh. Because they're saying we're looking at a th- a three point two degree temperature rise, and yes. our goal is one point five. 
It's like <laughs> this, this is where it's going. We're going for double the absolute upper limit. Yep. It's it's it's, it's really bad. It is. It's terrible. Oh, and gosh. then we'll just be told like, "Oh, just don't stop using coffee pods, you idiots! Start using, start using better bags at the shops, you idiots!" And it's like, nope, nothing we do matters. It is all business. It is all mm. government. I, I still stand by the fact that if you think you're too small to make a difference, you clearly have never met a midgie. But that is also the reality oh, no, yeah, no, that we should still be trying. The reality is, I, I completely agree. It's not us little people who are going to save the planet. It's going to be people in the upper echelons of the world who actually need to do the right thing. But they won't because humans are terrible. Microcosm example. Microcosm example. Let's just target the coffee pods because everyone likes talking about those. If they are deemed too wasteful to exist, it's not telling everyone to stop using them. It is making them illegal to make. That is the step. Stop the businesses. (laughs) Okay, well, not cheery note it's time to end the show james thank you very much for your time dear listener if you want to get in touch tell us what you think of uh, the world's impending demise ceaseoperate.gmail.com or <laughs> at ceaseoperate on twitter thank you very much and we'll see you next week it's been a lot of things but enjoyable uh, yeah it's a pleasure has not been one of them but you know pleasure speaking to you well it has but it hasn't it's yeah. like pleasure but it's more of like a everything is painful but it's nice to recognize it I think it's called S&M. Yeah. Except it's SP. <laughs> See, so parade, get it? I got, no, I, I, I get what you're aiming for. <laughs> well, well, sure. Well done. Okay, bye. Bye.